We're going to do this. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> let's um, do it. Wie geht's dir? Nicht schlecht. Nicht schlecht. Ich bin in Antigua, Guatemala, Contigo. Es bien. Fair enough. Could be worse. I literally drank the best smoothie in my life, made out of cucuma and whatever. But piña. Piña. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't interest anybody actually. I'll hook you up with smoothies. Okay. What? I'll hook you up with smoothies. That's what I did today. <laughs> okay, guys, I don't know what to say right now because I feel quite uncomfortable right now. No, I don't. <laughs> Fake laughing. <laughs> no, it isn't. Um, <laughs> yo, guys, the girl that is sitting right now next to me is Steph hey, from England, from Liverpool, or not? Yeah, from Liverpool. You, yeah, literally, like, do you like Ev Everton or Liverpool? Everton. Okay, look at the way. Uh, fair enough. Um, you never walk alone, you know, Jurgen Klopp. Whoop. Don't make us fall out. <sighs> no, I love football, but I live very far away from Europe at the moment, so I'm pretty out of sync with sports because I live in Peru, so... Oh, no, really? All the sports start really early in the morning, or like if it's like a Thursday evening game, Friday evening game, I'm in school, so I miss it. But actually... For real, I didn't ask you that. You, as a girl, or when you grew up in general, like in, in, in England, yeah. have you been into football at all? So I've got a football story for you that I've not Tell told me. you. So um, apparently my dad took me and my sister to go and watch Liverpool when we were younger, but I don't really remember. And then one Christmas, my dad's best friend, who was like, he was like a second dad to me. He was always around. He was awesome. My Uncle John. Um, Shout out to Uncle John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he one Christmas he bought me and my sister membership for the Everton like kids supporters club. Yeah. Um, and my dad went mental, and he was like, "What are you doing to my daughters? They support Liverpool." And he made such <laughs> a fuss of it. I was like, "No, Dad, I support Everton." Ha ha ha. And then it just kind of stuck. So actually, like that was my first like real memories of football and being into it. And then like my he was my godfather. He took us along to games and like we got really into it and like it's it's really nice actually because football is like one of the ways that I stay in touch with my dad and bond with him. We don't actually have a lot in common, but we're both super into football and I guess But still you're an Everton supporter an and he isn't. I'm an Everton supporter, <laughs> he's a Liverpool supporter. We grew up in the same house. It happens. Like football divides and unites families in Liverpool like everybody has a team pretty much even my mum my mum doesn't care about football at all but if anyone asked her she sports Liverpool like she doesn't, she doesn't watch the games when they're on TV like she will only find out what happened from my dad whether he's happy or he's sad <laughs> from whatever he's watched but yeah like it's it's huge in my city I mean in England we've got rugby we've got cricket but I'm from a football town so that's it I mean Of course, I love talking about football. I could talk about it 24-7, but when you, since you mentioned cricket, like, have you ever played cricket? I've played it, but watching it is just boring. Is cricket cool in England? Like, what kind of standing does cricket have? Cricket's pretty lame. It's lame? Yeah. So douchebags play cricket? Well, douchebags, <laughs> douchebags play cricket. I don't know, like, I guess there might be some cool people who, who play cricket. Of but, course there. But the, cool, the coolest people, I think, play football and rugby. Like, cricket, essentially, for British people, especially northern British people, is just an excuse to get really drunk all day because they have, like, all-day tests, right? <laughs> so people go along, they, like, buy... And also, in, in England, you can't buy beer while you're watching football. You can only buy it, like, before... Yeah. 
and mm-hmm. at half time whereas at cricket you can buy it all the time so you don't even have to watch the game you can just go along and get ridiculously drunk and uh, yeah as far as as far as I'm aware that's my only understanding of cricket they do lo- lots of running hit some balls everyone gets drunk I, I guess I gotta for real no I, I wanna get yeah I have to inform myself a little bit more about <laughs> because that's it. Ah, whatever. Nah, l- let's just switch the topic. That's something different. Um, Steph, yeah, is a teacher. And since education is a big, 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 big part of my life for the last couple of months, or I've been just thinking about it like more intensely, I am really curious about you in general. How do you act as a teacher? Would you describe yourself as a normal teacher or are you a little bit different um i think i'm pretty different from most of the teachers that i've had because or how how do you mean Mm, well i've got i've found it like in every school that i've worked in i am very different to everyone that i work with in terms of like i don't i don't necessarily aspire to grow up have 2.4 children live in the same city for the rest of my life and you know get married have a house blah 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 not that there's anything wrong with that it's just not necessarily my personal aspiration mm-hmm. like i've traveled more than almost all of the teachers that i've met um and that i've worked with closely and i think because of that it's given me kind of a wider viewpoint on life and it always comes in handy whenever you're teaching a topic like you know you've learned something in germany in china or something reminds you of a person you met in malaysia and you can you can bring those stories in and kind of help to bring the topics to life for kids i mean if you just give a kid a textbook and say okay work through this page you know you don't really need to be there do you the kid doesn't need you whereas doing whatever you can to to make things exciting for them and you know to tempt them into learning and to get them excited about the topics that's what it's all about as far as i'm concerned and i have some weird ways of doing it like i use a lot of a lot of videos i was telling you i think the other day that um with my with one of my classes at the moment there was a poem that we were reading and it was about it was about farming and they didn't understand the metaphor mm-hmm. of, of turning over the soil so i found like a video of a tractor and it was 10 minutes long and i said to the kids oh goodness like who the hell is going to make a 10 minute long video of tractors and the kids are like yeah miss like let's watch some more tractors so now like <laughs> we'll, we'll watch like a couple of minutes of tractor videos at the end of the lesson to tempt them into getting all the notes that they need and and often i try and get them involved as well like sometimes admittedly it is if i'm having a tired day but sometimes you know if i can see that a couple of the kids have got a particular interest in whatever it is that we're talking about at that time. I'll I'll get the kids up and I'll say, okay, I want you to teach. I'm going to sit down. Oh, really? You do? Yeah, like, ah, that's dope. I've, like with one, actually with one particular kid this year, um, he is very averse to learning, but I think he's going to be a car salesman one day because he loves to chat and he will get anyone to chat to him <laughs> to change the topic. <laughs> and um, like one day he was just like, no, I'm not making it today. I'm tired. I was like, well, you, you're doing enough talking. So how's about we switch? And he was like, what? I was like, right, you're going to teach the rest of the lesson and I'm going to make notes from you. All you need to do is analyze the poem. You can ask the rest of the class for the answers so you don't necessarily need to know anything. I just want you to do it because I've had enough of you disrupting me. So go on. So I went over to his seat, like poked him on the shoulder, <laughs> made him go up, gave him a pen and he loved it. And actually it went really, really well. And I made all his notes for him and I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> and the, cl- the kids loved it as well, which I guess is like, the main thing maybe to make it clear for everybody who's listening or watching like what do you teach i teach english english um eh? so i teach high school english 11 to 17 year old mm-hmm. kids 
Um, this particular class, they were 15, 16. Bit of a troublesome class uh, in the fact that not all of them were very interested in it, but obviously they still have to study it. So mm-hmm. um, I sometimes invent weird ways like that to in, try and in, get them involved. In, in that case, when he taught the class or when he yeah. was like overtaking your position, yeah. um, what did he talk about? Like, was it just, or what did you look for? Like, just him, did you want him just to talk about does matter what or what? So, no it was a particular subject so um, we were studying a text I think and I was getting him to look for literary devices like metaphors similes etc stuff that we'd done before mm-hmm. um, and I knew that there were kids strong enough in the class to be able to give him answers because um, he wasn't particularly strong as he just couldn't be asked frankly but um, but yeah no it worked really well he loved it like he got some notes because I did them for him um, and yeah the But I think, I think especially with working in Peru, the kids are not used to interactive learning, so it can be can be quite a challenge to kind of get classes on your side. I definitely noticed in the first semester that I worked there um, that when I was asking the kids to like stand up and do stuff and write on the board, they were a little bit like, "What? Why? Why? Why do you want us to move? Why are we not just making notes?" Okay. So it's kind of a new style of teaching for them. Um, there are some other teachers in the school that that work in that way, but I think. From what I can gather, the traditional Peruvian way of teaching is sit down, read the book, answer the question. That's it. The kids never move. They don't have a lot of like in-depth discussion about so things. So basically the shittiest thing that you can do as a teacher or not? I don't think I could say that about my colleagues. Okay. Um, okay. But, okay. I, but actually, you know, like the, the thing is with teaching, the reason why I find it so rewarding is every day is completely different. Like you can have the same class in front of you. You can have known them for eight, nine months and... You can have a completely weird class with them and y- and y- you sit there at the end and you think, like, what did I do? Like, they really didn't get through everything that I needed to get through today. And, and you think about the behavior of the kids, like, how could I have reacted differently? Like, how could I have presented the topic differently? And that's what makes my job amazing because I am learning every single day about how to be better and, and essentially how to get the kids to where they need to be because that's the only thing that really matters it doesn't matter if i've had like the worst lesson ever and I, i'm feeling awful at the end if they've got everything that they needed from it like that's the thing that i take home at the end of the day if i know that my kids have learned what they needed to learn then that's all i care about doesn't matter if i go home tired nice <laughs> Woo! Ex- ah. for everybody who's just at watching following blah, blah, blah. exactly like Hi this Hi, doc. nice um no for real That's how we should view a job, I guess, right? It basically is your thing. Well, my job is to is to support their kids through their learning. It's not to pull them through it. It's to guide them and show them the way and hope that they follow it and then give them a nudge when they need it. Um, I like this metaphor regarding school in general mm-hmm. or a class. A class is like... A Yeah, whatever. A room full of animals, of different yeah. animals, like yeah. whales, birds, monkeys, jaguars, uh, mice, and so on, you know? Yeah. And then they have the, the class, <laughs> then they have the class um, swimming, flying, running, climbing, basically, of course. Oh, you can't make a fish climb a tree. What? You can't make a fish climb a tree. <sighs> Why? Because it's a fish can't climb trees okay cool so Tell you can't more. so it's difficult <laughs> exactly it's, it's, no, yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah it's an educational metaphor like you like not everyone is going to be good at everything or 
So yeah. everyone is good at different things. Thereby, if you try and get a fish to climb a tree, you're going to be struggling. Whereas if you get a fish to swim 100 meters, then, you know, that's o- what it's good at. Of course. But how do you treat the kids that are obviously shit in English? Oh, they don't have oh, a developed scaffolding so for example i'll have a class of 20 kids and i'll have some really bright kids and i'll i'll use differentiated questioning based on their abilities based on their knowledge based on who they are as a person like some kids can be really bright but hate talking in class and some kids can be really stupid but want to take up all your time so you really have to manage each each kid as a complete individual um in particular, with, with students who, who have literacy issues, often I'll make little worksheets for them in advance. And it might have a couple of sentence starters on, like the start of a sentence that I want them to finish. It might have keywords on with definitions. Um, I might get those kids to sit there with a dictionary and translate the word into Spanish and then tell the class. So it looks like they're teaching everyone when really I'm just doing it so they know. Um, wow. Like some kids... Some kids are better verbally um, and some kids are better with written stuff. So the kids who love to talk, I'll get them to read stuff out. Um, and the kids who don't like to talk so much, I might get them to answer like particularly basic questions and, and kind of work my way up. Like open and close questioning. So do you understand this? Yes, no, is never going to work because everyone's going to say yes, even when they mean no. This is what I say when people talk to me in Spanish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, of course see, I understand. See, see, see. Yeah, see, sure, see, always. See. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you treat every kid as an individual and I've got, I've got one kid in particular actually who, um, he, he's got ADD, like attention deficit Mm -hmm. disorder and he really, really, really struggles to focus and I've spent the whole year trying to get him to be able to focus a little bit more and at at the start I was making him worksheets and he just wasn't reading them and, and I was sitting him in different places around the class and wherever I sat it didn't really make a difference so I just kept him right in front of me. And um, my latest tactic, well, I've got two tactics. One, I've worked with the school, the school's psychologist um, to come up with a, a kind of performer for him to fill in. He's got three targets for every class. One, I brought everything to class. Two, I've stayed focused. Three, I've completed all my work. And he has to tick yes or no. Um, and then I speak to him at the end and I make some comments like, you did really great today. Um, you focused on everything and completed your work. Well done. Or... I don't believe you're as focused as you could have been. What can you do next lesson to change that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was working at first, but now it's not working, so I need to do something else. My second step was to make a little a little mark on the board every time I had to say his name. But every time I say his name, I'm like, mark on the board. And if I'm saying his name, it's because he's not focusing. So he's got a little visual reminder of how many times I've had to prompt him in the mm-hmm. hope that if he sees how many times I'm prompting him, he's like, hey, wait... I should really be doing more of this myself because I want to move the onus from me supporting him to him supporting himself. So I think my next tactic when I go back next year, um, if he's in my class, I think he might be, is uh, to give him a, li- a little a little band to put on his wrist so he can play okay. with it. And then every time he twangs it, he's going to think, oh, wait, I need to do my work. Hmm. I love the fact that you didn't figure out completely what to do, but you're really, really passionate about making progress in that. Well, towards that way, it worries me what will happen to him because it's—I know for a fact it's not just in my lessons. I've not seen him in other lessons, but from from his behavior and the way that he presents himself in class, he's just—he just lives in another world. And and if he doesn't get good qualifications, what's he going to do? So I need to do everything I possibly can to get this kid on board and 
to get him interested as well because he's clearly not having a great time. He's just sitting there like, oh, English, this is boring. Mm -hmm. So I've got to do everything I can to make his day better. So I'll keep researching and I'll keep on going. It's kind of difficult, though, because in Peru, they don't have the same sort of sense of special educational needs that we have in Europe. Um, They it's kind of it's more of a stigma that's attached to it so a lot of parents don't want that stigma attached to their child oh no he's not got add no he's not autistic even though they are which makes it even more difficult because you have to you have to put things into place within the school actually which i've not told you about this is another thing that i'm doing in um in in one of my old jobs i was responsible for underprivileged kids at school um and there was there's a grant that is given by the british government for kids who come from like single parent families low income families etc and um i was i was responsible for the kids and there was 49.5 percent of a school of 1200 kids underprivileged so it was in a really tough area and um we had to come up with a number of strategies to use this money for and to kind of get the kids more engaged more involved hopefully get them you know more interested in higher education in the hope that they can Mm -hmm sounds bad but maybe not end up in the same situation as their parents um and you know at least have the option of wider opportunities available essentially but anyway i worked on this this spreadsheet which had every underprivileged kid on it and uh it had a performer on the first page of different strategies uh, to work with each kid and it might be that that kid struggles with literacy or numeracy so you might want to give them like a line reader so like a ruler so they can follow along when they're reading or you know they might need um, a list of algebraic equations for maths because they struggle to remember things um, regularly um, or it might be that they need to sit next to a particular kid or they they need things on the board in a particular color because they have like color blindness blah 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 and anyway there's three strategies and then one column for interests because it's not just about how to work with them it's like how to talk to them and make them interested so yeah how to inspire them yeah like you know or did you watch the football at the weekend just opening up that conversation can transform your relationship with kids in the Mm -hmm. classroom um so i have brought that to my school in peru um and we're going to start off with middle school and it's getting launched in february which i'm quite excited about actually because i had to present it to the head of middle school I was talking to her about it. I was like, we really should be doing something here to to work and our to work with our kids more as individuals. Um, and she really liked the idea, and I presented it to the psychologist, and she was on board with it. I was kind of hoping that nice. um, we could do it for the whole school, but I think it's quite a it's quite a new idea and quite a big thing for the school to be doing something like this. So they want to start it small and see how we go. But yeah, I'm quite excited. I'm, I'm hopeful that like the other teachers are going to get inspiration from each other, you know, collective mind, hive mind, sharing ideas of how to work with these kids. And hopefully the kids will, you know, have a better time in the classroom and, you know, find better ways to work. And if they find better ways to work and they have a nicer day, well, it doesn't really matter if the results are bad at the end of the day, as long as the kids having a nice time, does it? Got to do what you can for them. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm impressed <laughs> right now, for real. Like, um, or something that interests me as well um, is this reward punishment system or the grades in general. Yeah. How how do you what's your general view on that? Grading is a lot more standardized in the UK than mm-hmm. it is um, in in some other countries. Um, personally, I'm a I'm a UK examiner, um, so mm-hmm. I mark I mark to the exam board guidelines and 
a lot of the kids in Peru have said to me, oh, miss, you're really strict. And I'm like, no, I'm just marking you how you're going to be marked at the end of the day. There's yeah. no point in me telling you you're going to get an A if you're only going to get a D because that's just false promises. Um, and But you've got to be careful with it as well, though, because you can demotivate kids when you say, yeah. oh, you're only working at a D. Um, you kind of, it's just another reason why all kids need to be worked with as individuals, you know, like what makes them tick? How can you motivate them? What are they interested in? How are you going to get them to work? And sometimes you can motivate them with grades and sometimes you can motivate them with five minute video of tractors at the end of a lesson. <laughs> sometimes you can say, okay, if you spend the first 10 minutes of this assignment working quietly, then I'll put some music on in the background, which I do quite often. I play a lot of music in school. Okay. I'm the weird music teacher. What kind of music? All kinds of music. Metal? I Techno? I play electronica blues jazz peruvian cumbia black metal death metal <laughs> like Fair enough. like anything and you'll hear it coming from my room um and the kids find it really weird because a lot of the genres they've not heard of especially like so i had to, like one day i had some black metal on like really dark depressive music and it was like 8 a.m in the morning and one of my kids actually came up to the door and like looked through and then knocked and came in i was like miss Are you okay? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Why? And he's like, this music's really dark, isn't it? <laughs> I'm a dove kid. It's yep. caring about so, you. So part of my job as a teacher is to educate them on English. Part of them, I feel, is to educate them about music. So they don't just listen to reggaeton. Oh, that's a huge, huge topic in Latin America in general. <laughs> It's not sexistic, reggaeton. Like... No, the lyrics, no, no, not at all. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, just, but to come back to this reward, reward punishment system, that's what I've been like investigating the last couple of weeks as well. And there are some German guys who are like pushing the education system towards yeah. a better direction. And their suggestion, for example, was like years ago and still is mm -hmm. like to create a portfolio system so that a kid is gathering feedback by different teachers. Yeah. Like, so individualized feedback. Yeah. But that it's a little bit uh, it's not that easy to realize because of lack of resources how should one teacher write a lot of valuable feedbacks for i don't know 30 kids and then not just one feedback like it is very two, three, very five, challenging six. yeah and then as and then a teacher and, uh, sure and but the other one would be like introspection in general or self-reflection actually self sorry self-reflection yeah. that the kid should grade himself like to really self-reflect themselves like yeah. what did they do what did i do of course yeah it, it, it shouldn't be valued as the same like the teacher is providing but just to compare afterwards like there's, these a, lot two of, there's a lot of those practices that have been yeah. going on in going on in the uk um i can't speak for peru because it's different yeah. not in the same sort of uh, it's not it's not progressed as much i mm -hmm. guess let's be honest um but yeah i've worked in a school before where um The teacher would grade whatever piece of work it was, and then the student would have to reflect afterwards. Mm -hmm. So the teacher would mark in purple, and the student would respond in green. And you could the green pen was only ever for student reflection and response. And it's a great theory, but the problem with education and the reason why it goes in circles is because everything is just a theory, and not one you can't have one thing that works for everybody. Yeah, exactly. So, so. like, what I found in that particular school was that. The kid would say, oh, yeah, I need to improve my spelling. You're like, yeah, but what are you going to do about that? Uh, well, and the, the, 
the kids, you know, they don't have those particular tools in order to say, okay, so if this is what I need to improve, how can I go about it? And as a teacher, if you are providing individualized feedback to 30 kids and you've got six classes and you've got to mark your books every two weeks, well, I am a product of that system. And that's why I live in Peru, because it's not physically possible to give individualized feedback and then check the student responses once you've already marked their work to make sure that every individual student has reflected on it. Whether they've said anything good or not, you don't have the time to check because Mm -hmm. you've got 30, 60, 90, 120, 150, 180 books to mark every two weeks, as well as teaching 22 hours a week. It's not physically possible. So you actually need more partners. You You need more teachers who are better paid, who work or or who teach less hours in the classroom so they're able to give better individualized feedback to kids so they can improve but Mm -hmm. unfortunately in europe well well, in england especially the government are continually cutting funding to education so much so that schools have got leaky roofs they've got bad plumbing they've got teachers leaving in droves and there's like a third of new qualified newly qualified teachers in the uk that leave within five no three years five years mm-hmm. um and well yeah i'm one of them bye um in general like what i liked about the the, f- the thing that kids would typically respond like yeah i have to improve this um that's a phenomenon in general mm. uh or it's totally human nature what yeah. i really really realized and doesn't matter where i've been uh, i've been following it as well <laughs> um, it's like say think feel do at first it actually it's the perfect <laughs> um, the perfect metaphor yeah. nah, not the perfect but for me uh, I always refer to my Serbian culture yeah. the typical thing that they always say is like Magneki živ is zdrav like uh, the main thing is that he's alive and then he's healthy you know yeah. that's the most typical thing that everybody's saying after every conversation yeah. but is everybody alive and okay maybe there are a lot of people alive but is everybody healthy fuck that no like mm-hmm. they're always like saying it like as if of course but nobody's like actually healthy or yeah. the minority is healthy so they're like saying that and then you have to think about it more you know and i'm getting aw- i'm really getting aware of it i'm trying to make them aware of it as well like think yeah. about it, what you're actually saying yeah yeah it's good to be healthy and alive but you're not behaving as how, a healthy how, person how you should inter- how able are you to be that person how do you mean like how how able is everyone to be healthy at the same time it's not possible right um, i don't know man do you think everyone could be healthy right now to quote bruce lee <laughs> <laughs> health is the appropriate balance of the coordination of all of what we are mm-hmm. of course it's not easy <laughs> man that's the that's the ha- that's the hardest thing ever yeah. but you can at least try to be more healthy that's the problem that's another thing like but not everyone wants to try of course like of this course. is humanity right uh, that's humanity everybody <laughs> like but no but that's like in typical like the serbian culture because it's like so 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 serbian you're like yeah, yeah the main thing is to be alive and healthy but then the majority is not acting healthy yeah so like they're saying things sometimes they're thinking about it and f- doing some things but mm-hmm. To internalize that thing that you said is like wow. It's like to internalize it to make you do all the time. It's yeah. like almost impossible. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think these sort of thoughts, like these thought, these sort of thoughts, come in your like twenties and in your thirties. And when you're when you're fourteen, you're like, I don't give a shit about of this course. feedback. <laughs> like, I've, you, I've got I've got my grade B. Like, I've literally no interest in re- rereading it, doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. And that's 
the difficulty with teaching like it's it's wonderful that we have new educational theories that come out all the time because we can test them and we'll find some kids that they work with but it's human nature everyone is different so you just got to keep trying but equally that is why I love my job because I do something new and different every day or at least most days some days I have off days I'm human <laughs> fair enough <laughs> I accept that answer nobody's perfect anyways absolutely not but if you're into teaching I would recommend it I am to be honest I, I told you already I mm -hmm. could like I could really see myself being a teacher or a guy who is like you said like who yeah. is guiding them through the learning process mm -hmm. I love that yeah that quote actually that's what I didn't uh, I, that's the word I didn't tell you before actually you know uh, I told you about the kid who was standing at the front and he was teaching and I was sitting down no I don't like, remember uh, ah. yeah okay <laughs> um, yeah there's a there's an educational theory that came out of two German guys I believe it's called Lernen durch Lernen yeah and it involves giving the giving out the subjects or the topics for the bimester to the kids breaking them up into groups they've got to go away do a presentation and they teach mm -hmm. the class for the bimester or for the semester or whatever and the teacher grades them on their delivery and their research but also um, often it can work really well because the kids will get really involved in it. They'll do all the research, they'll present, and you are watching them, and they learn better because they're doing it. And the other kids learn better because they're watching their friends do it. The only problem with it sometimes is when you get kids who aren't really very good at doing it, don't put a lot of work in, and then you still have to reteach it. But it is an educational theory, getting the kids to teach lessons for you. Nice. Mm -hmm. Making progress. Making progress, anyways. Yeah. Fuck. Have you have you ever thought about some educational theories that you would provide to anybody else or to test the first like like have you your blah, fuck what about actually to be honest I, <laughs> I'm a little bit annoyed by these cars that are passing by all the time yeah. but it's okay it's okay it's okay uh, <laughs> have you ever thought about it to I don't know write a paper like a professional one about educational theories to provide it like for the Great mass. Well, I would love to do a PhD in education. My only issue with that is the majority of ones from reputable universities require you to be in one place for seven years. For seven years, yeah, because okay. it takes seven years, and you 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 do it alongside working full time as a teacher, which I wouldn't have an issue with. But the only the only issue I have is staying in one place for seven years. <laughs> right now, I'm, I'm not. I'm. I don't think I could personally commit to that. Like I've looked into it, I've, I've spoken to um, some lecturers at universities and sent off prospective emails, but the thing that stops me from doing it is the seven years in one place. I like I would love to be able to do it remotely, but until I can find a university that isn't just University of Nowhere, USA, I'm not going to waste my time. You've been spending half a year in China, right? Or more? A year. A year, right? Yeah. You've been teaching there, mm -hmm. like in Lima for 10 months? Yeah. And before? And before... What was your first, was? yeah, what was your first teaching job? My my first real taste of teaching was when I lived in Germany, actually. Okay. Um, when I lived in Leipzig. Um, back in the days. Back in the day. Um, as an Erasmus student, going out, partying, trying to learn German. Yeah, it went pretty well. I loved it there. But... I had a tandem buddy called Richard and um, I spent a lot of time like working with him and helping to correct his grammar and that's actually 
that was a thing that made me think hey wait like I really enjoyed this maybe mm-hmm. I could be a teacher um so I went after my residency I went back to the UK finished my degree and I did my first teacher qualification uh CELTA I sent you a link for it it's a certificate yeah. in English language teaching to adults and after that um I was starting my master's degree in London at King's College doing 18th century studies and I got a job part-time as an English teacher in a local college teaching Bengali students and I decided that I was bored and I wanted to make the college bigger so I went and spoke to <laughs> went and spoke to the boss and I was like come on if you want to make some more money let's make this bigger so I recruited two other teachers made myself head of English got some more students in and I enjoyed it but um it was really low paid mm-hmm. um as is kind of more ad hoc English language teaching work in London hello dog <laughs> um so I unfortunately had to quit and I became a recruitment consultant at recruiting teachers in mm-hmm. education and still in England yeah in London and it was one of the most soul-destroying jobs ever why because I was sitting at a desk for 10 hours a day. Oh, nice. Speaking that, to that people, speaking to people <laughs> who did not want to speak to me or to people who I didn't want to speak to. Mm-hmm. And in the office, they'd be like, yeah, if you get a teacher placement, you can win a chocolate bar. And I was like, I'm vegan. I don't give a shit about your chocolate bar or your <laughs> fucking job. <laughs> oh, fuck. Sounds nice. Sounds really nice. Yeah. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so, so I was like, get me out of here. Get me out of this country. I've had enough. Um, so I moved to China and I worked at a university teaching English and it made me realize that I really wanted to work in high school. So I applied for some placements online and none of them would inv- like interview me over Skype. So I had to fly back to the UK and lie to my work about wh- where I was going and um, was offered a job in Leeds and then one near Birmingham. And I took the one in Leeds went and it was pretty sweet actually because I had graduated three years before from my bachelor's degree so the school actually paid my tuition fees like nine thousand pounds and then they paid me a salary as well to train to be a teacher and yeah that's been me ever since and now i'm in lima and now i'm in lima to be honest though like i always knew i'd move back abroad but the kind of the traditional length of time that people need to get a job overseas is about three years so i did three and a half um and now i can work pretty much anywhere that'll give me a job <laughs> that was so dope actually yesterday when we playing uh pool billiard look how how many job offers i have oh in myanmar would be dope actually oh, <laughs> abu dhabi oh, no, i don't know like da, da, da. fair enough well life to me is about learning and exploring and experiencing new cultures and i couldn't think of anything worse than living in one place for the rest of my life. I mean, maybe maybe that idea will change. I don't know. I'm pretty settled in Lima right now. It's a pretty sweet city. But I like I like having the option to go anywhere and I'm, try I'm, anything. I'm really so fucking curious where you're going to live in two years. Well, you're going to come and visit me. So I guess in Lima, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it could be Lima. It could be <laughs> other ideas I've had are Kenya, South Africa, Tanzania, Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um maybe Moscow I don't know they're, they're, the, they're the places that I'm intrigued oh India though I love Indian food and Indian culture apples or pears pears why pears okay bananas or fresas 
<lacht> Bananas. Okay. Nose or legs? Legs. Because when people stink, you can't smell it. <lacht> <lacht> okay. Hey, is that the volcano right now? I think it is the volcano erupting. Fuck. It's pretty beautiful. You're nice. gonna see. You're gonna see that tomorrow. I've seen that already. That's why I've sat oh, yeah, down yeah, all fun. day. I'm gonna spend my whole day with Korean guys mm -hmm. watching a volcano erupting in Guatemala. Noodles or rice? <laughs> of course, rice. I'm yes. a rice guy. Yeah. You? Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. I really waffle. Yeah, waffles. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Ask. I like these questions actually. Yeah. Um, spaghetti or risotto? Because that's not I quite rice I or noodles. If spaghetti carbonara, spaghetti. Mm -hmm. If not, uh, risotto. Oh, okay. Okay. Hip hop or jazz? Hip hop. Straight away. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, death metal or black metal? <laughs> death metal. I don't know the difference, to be <laughs> honest, but it's okay. <laughs> it's to do with the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how do we, like, fuck, tie, right? Yeah, tie. Or what is this other thing? Bow tie. N this small the thing? Yeah, little tie, little bow tie. Okay, little tie or bow tie? No, like tie or bow tie. Yeah, tie or bow tie, blah, blah, blah. Tie. Bow ties are outdated. Okay. Not. Um, piercing or tattoo? Oh, I don't know. I've got both. Okay. Um. <laughs> piercing or tattoo for you? Uh, I don't know actually. Yeah. No, fuck. I, I wanna, either, I, right? I, my my head is right now like stucking. I really want to say something stupid, but I'm really not capable of thinking about something stupid right now. Yeah. I don't know why. Fuck. It's because you're thinking about smoothies again. <sighs> I guess so. Um, I have some problems for getting food for all. Let's quit this. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you fed, or you're gonna be grumpy. Uh, um, <laughs> I guess I gotta be grumpy. I like cashews. If you ask me anything like da 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 or yeah. cashews, I'm always gonna say cashews. Cashew, cashews are like my favorite. Cashews nut. is life. Brazil nuts though, they're pretty what up there. What are Brazil nuts? Brazil nuts, those big ones. They're like that big. The nuts. I don't know what Brazil nuts are. The nuts. <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the. Super serious Super podcast. Super serious podcast. Um, From two not that serious people today. Mm -hmm. That's it. You got me talking about my job, though. Yeah, actually. And I didn't intend to do yeah. that, actually. But uh, yeah, it just came out of you. Well, work hard, play hard. That's my theory. They I work very hard. <laughs> I'm very passionate about my job. I'm also very passionate about traveling and having fun. David Guetta or Stefan Rapp? Don't care. Saxophone or flute? Flute. But just if um, if it's like shitty flute, like if you're not able to play flute at all, <gasps> but you're pretending that you're I've good, you know. I've got a funny. Do 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 do. I've got a funny flute story for you. Nice. Please go ahead with your fucking motorbike. Um, actually, it was just a bad idea to sit here. No, it's not that bad. I guess the quality is good. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Let's yeah, let's conclude <laughs> this podcast with a really really important flute story. An important food story. Yeah, tell me. Flute story. Yeah, you okay. wanted to tell me, right? So there's a kid at my school who ah. plays the flute. <laughs> and um, he went on a leadership he went on a leadership camp 
and none of the teachers knew that he'd actually taken his flute with him. So it gets like nine o'clock, all the kids get in the tents, sleep time, good night. Kid pulls his flute out, starts playing his flute. He's like 14. When I heard this story, I was like, if he was in the UK, he would be ripped so hard for taking his flute on holiday and playing his flute alone in his tent. But apparently that's okay. It's cool. Wait, he played it like properly? Yeah. Lying in his tent alone, played his flute. Ah, whoa. Okay. (laughs) It's pretty lame, right? Uh, no, thanks for the story. Thanks for sharing <laughs> this important information. Um, and now we're going to go for some smoothies and eat something and eat, eat, eat. Yum, yum, yum. Whoop. Cool. was a pleasure, Steph. As always. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> 40 minutes.